during what seems to be an interminable election cycle. We're hearing all and seeing all kinds of political ads. We hear about all kinds of political polls. I received two calls from pollsters this week. I hung up on them. I have a poll. Show of hands of who are sick of polls and political ads, right? We're all sick of it. We've had enough. Many of these ads and polls take, talk about the role of government in our lives. Some candidates want more taxes and regula regulations, while others despise them. Sometimes it's hard to know what to believe. I looked at one libertarian platform that said, if elected, the candidate would reduce the size, of size and scope of government, reduce taxes and government spending, and secure individual freedoms. Wow, that seems pretty ambitious. In our gospel today, Jesus is engaged in a similar endless political debate himself with the religious leaders of his day. You may have noticed that for weeks now, he's been in a tug of war with leaders about rules and regulations and who calls the shots. Is it them or the God of the universe? So what was Jesus's main objection? Well, there were 613 commandments, 248 prohibitions, and 365 recommendations that existed in the law. All these rules, commandments, and recommendations led to constant fussy arguments and intellectual debates amongst the various religious elites about which were the most important. It got very complicated. And some of the rules, particularly of the oral tradition, were downright prissy. Rules about meals and ritual cleansiness that were originally meant to connect God to daily life became so cumbersome and overwhelming that they kept God remote and at bay. In an attempt to trip Jesus up, after the Herodians and Sadducees had failed to trip Jesus up, the Pharisees asked Jesus, which of these many rules is the most important? Jesus' wise response keeps him safely above the fray and the pettiness of street corner debates. He proclaims the Shema, so central to the orthodox faith of every devout Jew, the commandment to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul is the most important. Then he tells them a second commandment resembles the first. You must love your neighbor as yourself. I think that word resemble is a key word in our gospel today. He seems to be saying that the second commandment belongs irreplaceably with that first commandment. That is, to obey, obey one commandment implies obeying the others. So if I love God and forget my neighbor, then my love is false. Conversely, conversely if I love my neighbor and ignore God, then my love is also false and uninformed. Authentic love requires both the vertical and the horizontal elements that are often demonstrated by the love of the cross, the beam that is vertical and the one that is horizontal. That is because Jesus was obedient, he loved God, representing that vertical beam of the cross. And, and, and he loves us, represented by that horizontal beam through his teaching and his preaching and his devotion to the poor, the forgotten and the suffering and the troubled. Sometimes in the church we find people 
who focus their entire relationship with God to the exclusion of the people around them. You know, I love God, but let's not bother me with people. But our relationship with God is deficient if it is not translated into the tenderness of fraternal love or charity. That is, the tenets of what the church calls the corporal works of mercy. We are called to feed the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty, to clothe the naked, to give shelter to travelers, to visit the sick and the imprisoned, and to bury the dead. But the tenderness of fraternal love must also be accompanied by the love and the firmness of fraternal correction. That is, we must obey God and share the commandments of God with others so that they can obey and thus love God as well. Fraternal correction is often shied away from these days in favor of tolerance. The greatest sin in our world today seems to suggest that there might, be, uh, there might be a better way than our own. In this case, the way of God is intolerant. We have to remember that if I'm devoted to fraternal love and charity without reference to God, then my love will be deficient. And the, the extent to which my love is found purely on human considerations, like warm and fuzzy feelings, then my love will be as small as I am. Love needs to be open to the greatness of God, which transcends us. Christ banished the darkness of this world by loving and showing the love of God for us through his preaching and from the cross. So I need to be open to God's love in order to love my brothers and sisters in the right way. That's a key statement. In the right way, that is, we seek to bring these two simple rules into our lives in a way that God intends them for the good of others and to give him glory. I have known people who report that they love their neighbor, their children, their siblings, even their parents, their friends, but the way in which they love their neighbor is bankrupt of God's love that is found in scripture and in the teachings of this church. Most people today say that we should not judge the actions of others or accept the correction of others. Live and let live. But to really love someone includes the necessity to fraternally correct the neighbor who is walking blindly, who lives without the direction of God. In the name of tolerance, we ignore our neighbor, for example, who cohabitates with his girlfriend or boyfriend to the detriment of their salvation and also their emotionally and, and well-being as couples that cohabitate before marriage have a decreased success in marriage that often affects their children? Or is it loving to ignore the sinfulness of the neighbor who lies or steals or kills others by gossip if it's going to lead them in peril and away from God and to a hell of their own making? During this Respect Life Month, the church reminds us of the dignity of the human person. Is it loving to personally oppose assaults against human life, abortion, euthanasia, capital punishment, or war, but keep those beliefs to oneself so as to not defend others? This kind of love is false because it doesn't include the loving guidance of God. In other words, I must love God 
in order to love my brothers and sisters genuinely. These two commandments are inseparably united in the person of Jesus Christ. In Jesus, his relationship with God became a relationship with his brothers and sisters. He loved God as his father, then he loved us so that we might preach the truth, a truth that we should be including as we prepare to vote. As Jesus says in his last line of our gospel today, on this love for God and neighbor, everything depends. This great gospel puts all the secondary and trivial things in perspective in Jesus' time and also in our own. Nothing matters but love for God and authentic love of neighbor that includes the guidance of God over our lives. So let us love and let us love abundantly. But let us make sure that it truly is love because it's defined by God himself.